Hey guys, Counselor Glenn with Bridging the Gap, where we talk about bridging the generational gap as well as the wealth gap. We literally take you step by step and tell you how to bridge that gap from where you are to where you want to be uh, from the aspect of a boomer, somebody that's been there, done that, and the exer. Hope you guys enjoyed the content. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel and make sure you hit the bell notification. We want to let you know as soon as we drop something, we want you guys to get it. We want you to be first. So make sure you do those two things for us and we can't wait to drop some more content. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you're watching. Welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Councilor Glenn. Hey, guys, William V. Thompson. Uh, episode 24, man. I hope y'all like 23. That was a special edition uh, uh, we did with Mark at uh, our, our new, hopefully, uh, studio. You'll see us at a little more often, but, man, that was a fun one. Brother, fun is an understatement. You're talking about an awesome brother, man, that's a young guy, energetic, got a vision, is willing to teach. So I, I'm still... Enjoying that quite a bit. Excellent, excellent. So today's episode, we're talking about becoming the bank, another way to create money, correct? Yeah, we are. And it's ironic that just last night, you know, the property on Dudley Street, Yeah, we actually closed on it last night, or we became the bank, and we'll tell you more about that. So it's ironic, the timing of Podcast 24, because Joe and I just did one last night. So one of the ways uh, we want to talk about becoming a bank is understanding how the bank makes money, correct? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, think about it. Generally speaking, when you go into a bank, they're always nice. I mean, that's really not so much nice people always, but they have nice facilities, all this great technology, et cetera. So my question was years ago, what is the bank doing that I may do to make money? And that's why the general premise of becoming the bank came up, because all they're doing is you're putting in your 50000 I'm putting in my thirty, you're putting in your 100000 and they're taking our money and they're simply loaning it back to us. And I'm thinking, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So that's where the whole concept came by going into a bank one day, looking at the beautiful walls, et cetera, and thought we can do what they're doing. Got it. Got it. So what are some of the ways you came up with that people can become the bank? Well, okay. Well, first of all, it goes back to the basic premise. You know, a bank gets our money and they may pay us a fourth of a percentage point a year. That's a year. So if you put a hundred grand in there, at the end of one year, 10% of that, you, you may get $300 back, $100,000. The bank gives you $300 back and you're happy. Wow. Then you turn around and you want to buy a house and rates today, let's call it 4%, but you're still getting a fourth of a point. You get a car loan at 6%, credit cards at 18%, and all of this, sure, banks take a loss, but they strategize so much. They have proper collateral that they minimize that. So back to your question, though. But here's here's my thing. You know, we often talk about cash flow, mm-hmm. and cash flow ultimately is that as they say, what is it? Use the word I'm stacking, and is that still right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. They, they stack. So you really want to stack it, not only to buy assets on sale, mm-hmm. but to leverage your money. And, and it got a couple about seven different ways that I would recommend people to begin to get money. Number one. You know, we talked about something called a self-directed IRA account. Right. Okay. And that's just simply whereby a company like an equity trust, for example, only, they've gotten from the IRS the permission to be able to take your IRA money and let you invest in almost anything. It can be gold and silver. It can be cryptocurrency. And even you can loan, you can buy real estate or you in turn can become the banker. So instead of me owning property in there, I could loan money to you in this example. And just like a bank would, 
A bank would put a lien on the property. A bank would get monthly payments, et cetera. That can be done in a self-directed IRA. And let's say if you had $20,000 and I had $20,000, Isaiah had twenty, we could pool it all together. A joint venture that banks do that so often. So often people fail to recognize that sometimes a bank will have a, a, a $100 million deal. Mm-hmm. And they, in turn, don't want the full risk. So they'll bring in other banks and they'll chop it up some. But, but only the one bank is getting the monthly payments. The same thing with the self-directed IRA when you're pooling the monies. But you would get, so when they cut the check, so much would go to your IRA, my IRA, and Isaiah's IRA. So a self-directed IRA account is a great starting point to access money. Gotcha. Now, what what are some examples you've seen people invest in or things with the self-directed IRA? I'm familiar with the real estate piece. Real estate's one. Uh, people bought gold and silver. Okay. The cryptocurrency people are definitely starting to do that a lot in their IRA account, uh, as well as even car loans, uh, as well as even business. You could literally buy a franchise in your self-directed IRA account. Got it. So literally anything you can think of, you can do. I think, I'm trying to think, there's one or two exceptions, but I mean, trust me, they're so odd and strange, but anything that somebody can buy, your self-directed IRA can fund it. Okay. Um, I'm weird question. Okay. Is there a maximum I can, I can individually put into that a year? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, again, of course, the, the the regular limits apply. Right. So let's say, for an example, with me being over fifty years old, if I have an IRA, I can put like up to seven thousand into it. You can put six thousand. Then, of course, if you do like a a four hundred one k IRA account, the limits go up to twenty and thirty thousand dollars. But here's the neat thing about it. Here's the neat thing about it. Even though your annual contributions to the IRA are limited, mm-hmm. the earning potentials are unlimited. Yeah, that was my question. So, so let's say if I had $50,000 in one, and in turn, if I found an investment that somebody's willing to pay me 100% of my money uh, in any way I come up creative way to do it, then you're talking that same year, I could double my IRA just because I've hit a home run in investment. So though my contributions are limited, my earnings or return on the investments are unlimited. And that's a way to really explode what you're putting in annually. That was my question. So uh, how can we um, get past that limitation on what we can put in annually? Yeah. And that's the best way to do it by far. Yep. By way. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And the other thing, counsel, that comes to mind is your 401k. Okay. A lot of people are putting money in 401ks, but they see all these real estate opportunities. So I got a half a million dollars in my 401k. It's doing well, but I want to get into real estate. I could literally borrow, let's say, $100,000, and they may charge me 2 to 3%. It doesn't matter about my credit, uh, whether I have a job or not, I'm working their course. They would loan me that money, take it out of my paycheck every month at 3%. That's what my 401k would earn is that 3%. Now I have $100,000 outside of my 401k, and now I can do real estate or I can become the bank. So let's say I borrowed at three, I loaned it at 13. Hmm. I borrowed at three, I loaned at 13. That's exactly what the banks do. And the same strategies or steps to minimize loss is what people want to learn to do. Do I keep the 10 or do the 10 go back to the 401 Brother, you keep the 10. Okay. That's yours. Got it. That's yours. That's it. Got it. I like that one. Yeah. And I do two counsel too, you know, and sometimes it could be even equity lines on your home. 
Again, I believe this simple principle that you should only borrow when the return is greater than that which you borrowed. Gotcha. Meaning, if if I house is paid for worth a half a million, why just sit there and let that half a million dollars just gather dust? You know, you're happy. I don't have another mortgage payment, uh, and you're happy. But it behooves me. The house is worth a half a million. Go out and maybe get a $300,000 equity line, not to buy a new car, not to travel the world, not to buy, I guess they call it ice now, not to buy <laughs> ice now. See, I've been, I was around some young people last week doing a financial workshop on the monopoly system. So I, a few of these new terms I've learned about. Yeah, he so, heard me say ice. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, come on now, come on now. So, so, so the thing is, I would suggest that with that home equity you would in turn, or that line of home equity, you would find income opportunities. You find ways to explode your money. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. You can make that 300000 buy a few rental properties and cash flow it and take care of the equity line payment and put some more money in your pocket. You're right. You know, and if you got to the point, like with Joe and I, we're to the point now that we, just by design, by plan, we don't want to own any existing we we want to move to new. We want to either be the banker and or we want to do the new property. So like I said before, with the Dutley Street property, um, you know, the property values went up there. We'd had that house for 17 years. I forgot about that. And everything was going well. But it was better for us to go ahead and just get a little upside. I think we got like about a 40% appreciation on the house, which mm-hmm. is good. could have been more. But now every month, we now are the banker. The house itself is the collateral. And the people now are going to pay us eight fifty a month over the next fifteen years. So that's roughly, I think, about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. So you know, we'll make sixty thousand over fifteen years. But one, we were glad to help someone, mm-hmm. and two, it's just another passive stream of income with no repairs, no maintenance, etc. Got it. Yeah, that was a smart move. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, you know, even though we only charge six percent. But that's like getting a 6% return on $100,000. And right now, we're just simply looking at ways to get more cash flow in without there being exposure to any type of repairs and maintenance. But again, uh, something we're going to talk about next time you got me rolling on is going to be we're looking more now at affordable housing and building developments. And that's something, guys, you definitely want to be here next week because uh, this young man here has got my mind stretched in the developments and affordable housing. One thing I learned or heard last night was once once your vision is stretched, it can't go back. So That's right. <laughs> I think Oliver Wendell Holmes said that, that once your mind has been stretched, it can never return to the original form. And that's a good thing to do. Yes, sir. And I think just the last thing here, a lot of other things so I could mention, but as far as what does the money come from, your self-directed IRAs is a good source, uh-huh. uh, as well as you can borrow from your 401k, uh, equity lines on your house. Uh, some people, the old school people, like your grandparents, or maybe greats, had whole life policies that normally had a, well, I guess the universe, the index ones do that now too, uh, but whereby they build cash value, you can tap that. If you have a brokerage account that has a good amount in that, you can borrow from your brokerage account. Uh, we have a program called BALS, where you're able to get access to unsecured lines of credit and even pooling in other investors. So there are a lot of sources that you can get your hands on money, but you just have to make sure that you've properly collateralized it. And again, that, that obvious question, it always comes up. What 
if they don't pay. I'm going to let the young fella handle it. Okay. <laughs> let, let, let's say you and Cece did that. Uh huh. Somebody didn't pay you. What do you do? Well, hopefully, if it's a real estate deal, I got to lend yeah. a deed of trust on a property. Yeah. I foreclose and take possession. It's just that simple. That's simple. Yeah. I, I know, again, with the couple last night, uh, you know, that was something the attorney put in that it's in there that they know that um, it's right. all good. It's right. all good. Yeah. Th- that they know that if they don't pay, we in turn can foreclose on it. Yeah. And then even if you wanted to, you could put in some special pr- provisions there whereby that you didn't have to go through the whole, because we're in a jur- uh, judicial state. You yeah. got to go through sort of the court system. But you could structure things whereby that they waive that right. Yep. And therefore, you just simply don't pay, boom, get it, and life goes on. Yeah, so. yeah. And two, man, one of the keys about the whole if they don't pay is to make sure the investment is a good investment. They will say it. And the numbers aren't super tight where if one mistake is made, everybody loses. True. So, you know, if I'm in investing on somebody to do a flip, arbitrary number, the ARV on a house is 100000 and they need fifty to buy and rehab it. I got fifty grand to play with it. If they bump right. their head, yeah. I can go in there, take possession, rehab it, still make money, but still have equity in the property, um, and, and not invest on things that aren't deals. And I, I see a lot of guys, people in general, just uh, presenting deals that aren't deals, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where the numbers just are too tight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so be sure to you know have a understanding of what that investment is, whether it's uh, stocks, real estate, gold whatever, um, that you know the numbers behind yeah, it. That's true, yeah. And, you know, and as a retired CPA, in my world, things are moved by numbers. You know, mm-hmm. for example, um, if you heard someone, and let's say, we're talking about from a medical perspective, you've never met this person, but you, but they're five feet tall, they weigh 400 pounds, their blood pressure is 180 over 130, cholesterol's at 100. You've never seen that person. Healthy, unhealthy. Unhealthy. See, so in other words, numbers told you the story. The same thing about life. People will lie, but numbers will never lie. And numbers are a language. And if you understand the language of the numbers, even though you may not understand fully the company that you're investing in, you may not fully understand the geographical area that you're buying it in, but if the numbers make sense, then many times you can move deals on that. That's the key thing. Remember, people may lie, but numbers never lie. Very true. You don't have to be you no know, general contractor, how to hang sheetrock, right. electrical work, none of that. All you got to know is with the numbers. That's right. <laughs> and, and do your own homework. You know, run the comps. Yep. Make sure you talk to the general contractor that gave the people the estimate and the numbers are what they are. Uh Make sure that, you know, you understand the numbers behind it. You don't have to understand the whole construction process or rehab process. As long as the numbers work, it's a deal. That's it, you know. And that brings me to my final point here, Council. Most bankers that are loaning you money or or bankers use that terminology, Mm -hmm. they don't really understand the whole construction process, you know. They just recognize, okay, you want want to borrow $100,000. I understand that. We know that the comp say it's worth $150,000. We believe that. We know that the market, they, they have houses staying on the market maybe seven days. We know that. So they look at those numbers. They look at the collateral. And based on that, they're willing to give you the money, loan you the money. They understand that as far as the construction process go, you may need a third draw on the front end. Then in 30 days, another draw. But they know that every draw of 10000 should maybe add 15000 of equity. So mm-hmm. it's the numbers. So, again, here's the bottom line. When you do this to protect yourself, 
Number one, be fully collateralized, like you said before. Mm-hmm. If you're going to loan a hundred, make sure it's easily worth maybe one fifty. No sweat there. Second of all, it's always good to loan on something that you wouldn't mind owning. Right. Whether I'm loaning on a um, a real estate property or like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, selling a put. It needs to be something that I don't mind owning because in the course of things, you're going to end up having to own it and you want to be happy. And finally, get a great return on the investment. Don't get excited about 3% or 5%. There's so many opportunities there. And I read something years ago, and you've heard me say it a couple of times, mm-hmm. is the deal of a lifetime comes around at least once a week. It's out there. So if you're willing to follow the systems that you teach and the protocol, definitely making money is not that difficult in America. It's not. It's, not. it's so true. <laughs> I remember he told me that it was after I first got into wholesaling and lost the deal. Had a 14-unit apartment complex on the contract. At 325, I knew it was a deal. You know, I just didn't know how to find cash buyers in that price range. So my contract expired, and the next week, they sold it for 400,000. Mm, painful. 475 grand. I, I could have made had I known what I know now, but uh, yeah. So I, that's when you first told me that quote. <laughs> I got you. It's real, man. It's real. So you, you got a $75,000 education that will make you millions. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Well, guys, that wraps up episode 24. Remember, uh, like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you get the word out. Um, Again, free content. We have nothing to sell. Just trying to help you guys uh, bridge the gap. Uh, For myself, Council Glenn. Hey, William V. Thompson. See you on the next one.